The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website where you can showcase your work, blog, or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. Customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code SNELL to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. The Incomparable Number 397 March 2018 Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we don't always talk about new release movies because, quite frankly, I never go to the movie theater, but I managed to go to the movie theater and see Black Panther, the latest Marvel movie. It was awesome, and I put together an awesome, a similarly awesome panel to talk about this movie. So, new release-ish, I mean, a couple weeks late, but uh, new release on The Incomparable is great. Joining me are the following wonderful people. Lisa Schmeiser. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Thank you for being here. Moises Chuyan. Hi, Moises. Jason, the question is, what are those? <laughs> <laughs> Micah Sargent is here. Hi, Micah. Hi. I will try not to freeze like an antelope in headlights as we talk about this great movie. That's a good <laughs> reference. That's a good reference. And first uh, time on the incomparable Cicero Holmes from the Spawn and Me podcast. Hi, Cicero. I never freeze. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, this is such a good movie. I mean, let's start there. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a good movie. It's a, any opening statements beyond mine? There's my big opening statement. I liked it. I thought it was really good in, in a bunch of different ways, which is great. But we often have people with opening statements. Moises, do you have an opening statement? You sometimes do. It ascends beyond just the tropes of what you expect from superhero movie of giant climactic thing with computer generated things punching each other. Granted, that is in there. Um, but there's there's so much uh, packed into this movie that elevates it beyond. This is a movie based on a toy line, based on a comic book, based on a licensed IP um, that uh, there, there there is a very good reason why it is breaking every record that it can. And the ones that it hasn't, it just hasn't gotten to that point yet. I think sometimes my highest form of praise for something these days is is this is better than we deserve <laughs> i don't know what that says about me and what i think we deserve but um i had that moment where it's like with comic book movies like, yeah comic book movies superhero movies all right right it's like i get it and there are a lot of them now and isn't that great and then i see a movie like black panther and i think this is so this is so much better than if you just said there's a comic book movie about a superhero like there there's so much more here that you know you that i i, I to credit everybody at, at at marvel who makes these movies like there have been so many many of them now how is it that they're not the same and the answer is they get good people and they tell different stories and they're not apparently ironing ironing out oh like iron man Ooh. ironing out every screenplay and every set of characters so that they're all exactly the same that there's actually variation in marvel movies and um and that's i think to their credit that they do that because this this doesn't feel like any other movie marvel has made i would argue no well yes and no and the reason the reason I'm jumping at all yes and no is I got out of Black Panther and and after wishing there were flights to Wakanda or mm. that maybe there was a, like a Wakanda blog I could start following or an Instagram. Um, I thought, you know, it's been interesting that the last two Marvel superhero movies have both 
in separate ways, t- dealt with intergenerational damage, how the son has to clean up the father's mess. The son has to grapple with questions about how to apply power, what good are resources. Like, um, gar- like Guardians Volume 2? Is that the... No, no, it was Thor uh, Ragnarok. Thor. Oh, like Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Oh, well, Guardians Volume 2 is also about the father and the yes. son. Too. Boy, there's daddy issues. Okay, got it. What I found really interesting about the last two movies is they've basically brought a moral authority and a reckoning to the Marvel Universe that wasn't there before, where they're asking serious questions about cause and effect, how to use power, how to use resources, who benefits and who doesn't. And in this one, you've got the first really great Marvel villain with Killmonger. Um, and I would argue mm. he's not even that much of a villain. He's yeah. just somebody who come who, who's coming at a problem from a radically different approach. But you have to have an antagonist. And I would also argue this is the first feminist superhero movie we've had. Period. Like across the board. I'm, I, I, and I make that statement above and beyond Wonder Woman. And I'm happy to go into that in later detail. But I came out of this and I thought it's going to be a while before we really understand how many different ways. Um, Ryan Coogler has changed the game for, for, for Marvel going forward, for, for blockbusters, period, for how people are depicted on screen. It was, it's, it's one of these movies where, where we're going to look back on it, I think, in 10 years and be like, holy cats, this completely rewrote the vocabulary of filmmaking. Holy cats, the movie, indeed. Um, <laughs> the, the thing about daddy issues is the, the most, it, to me, the most defining thing about Marvel comics is, is that they're all about daddy issues in some way yeah. or another. So if you don't have daddy issues, you don't have a movie. Micah or Cicero, you have any opening comments yeah, before we dive in? Yeah, my, my opening is going to go to uh, less, less the story here in the opener. I just want to talk about how beautiful uh, from the ground up and from the upground this, this film was from start to finish. The people are beautiful beyond words. The movie itself is beautiful beyond words. The colors, the shifts and scenes and uh, into the, the, what is it, the astral plane or the spirit plane? Yeah, the spirit plane. Thank you. Um, all of these different, uh, the waterfall, I mean, it's, it was just gorgeous from start to finish. And I like that goes all the way into when we're talking about uh, action. Um, you know, it's not just the, the, the scenic stuff. It's also the, the rest of the film and the way that it even starts where we've got this sort of, uh, what, what are those, those, uh, thermite, I can etch a sketch type, <laughs> type right, little beads, yes, just like creating yes. this whole world. I, cannot wait to get this film just so I can sort of like pour through in my own personal time and just like, I don't know, try to absorb the energy of the movie because it's just so beautiful. The first thing I'll do is I will borrow a line from my good friend Paris Lilly of the Gamertag Radio, uh, who said that Black Panther is the fifth most important person in that film. Um, and, and, uh, I will also say that, and I don't know this yet because I haven't had the chance to bring it home, bring the film home and, and time it out. But I would venture to guess that the Black Panther suit is seen for as much screen time in his own film as he is in all of Civil War. <laughs> and that makes this, and this film was phenomenal because of it. I think Chadwick Boseman has a really hard job in this movie because he has to hold the movie together. But you're right. Is he the most important 
I mean, he's he's in the center of the movie and he's holding it together. But what's happening around him is the stuff that's kind of amazing, like all those other characters and what they're doing. And I I mean, it's, it's almost like it's a little less of a flashy job and he does get to be in this cat suit at a few points and, and do his thing. But, but like, uh, Michael B. Jordan, I could do well, I could do an hour on how great Michael B. Jordan is oh in gosh. every yeah. single thing I've seen him in, not just this movie, but everything else too. So Who good. I would think that sweet little Wallace would grow up to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, to Lisa's point, uh, the women in this movie. Yeah. So it's not just the female characters because I'm, I'm going to say basically you could have called this movie Shuri the tech genius and her Bobo brother she gets out of trouble. And, um, <laughs> and that would not have been inaccurate. I would have watched right. the crap out of that movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> if Disney Marvel aren't doing like children's books centered around Shuri they're leaving a gigantic amount of money on the table. Including mine. Let's yeah, be mine too. Oh, mine too. Mine a child too. like mine me. Too. Yeah. But um, it's not just the fact that you had the these female characters that were the most fully fleshed out in the Marvel universe. Um, it's also the way that the men in the movie interact with those women, which um, makes it a much more feminist picture because they're not treated like objects. They're not treated like means to an end. Right. They're not treated like accessories to someone, to to the quote unquote, the people. And it's also the way they're shot. And I want to point out that um, Joe in our, uh, in our Slack said something where he's like, well, the cinematographer is a woman. So maybe that has something to do with it. But if you contrast the way that the Dora Milaje are shot or any literally any other woman in that scene, they're shot from a point of tremendous power and, right. and capability. Every woman in that movie comes off as exceedingly competent and gifted and disciplined. And there is not a single shot where it's, look at this leather clad butt. Now watch her spin around and deliver a roundhouse kick. And you, it's the first time I've seen a movie with women who fight in a superhero movie where I haven't wondered if somebody's if somebody was going to fly out of their top because, you know, they're, they're, they're strapless. <laughs> I haven't been distracted by wondering how they're doing all that while wearing high heels and a cat suit. I realized about 75% of the way through the movie, I was like, why am I so relaxed? And then I thought, it's because I'm not waiting for the inevitable shot where the girl is the girl. It's because throughout this whole movie, you have somebody who's the king of a flippin' nation who basically gets teased mercilessly by his sister and his ex-girlfriend and the head of his elite guard and his right. mom. Like, mm-hmm. everyone right. dunks on him. Yes. <laughs> but the thing yep. is, is he is he accepts it. And not just that, he listens and he goes back and forth and he respects ambition, their ambition. He respects their talent. He respects their guidance. And it's a much more egalitarian approach to other human beings. And one we haven't seen in any other Marvel movie when it comes to interplay between genders. And I thought this, this is pretty quietly revolutionary right here. This is a far cry from Pepper Potts right. and, to- and Tony Stark. This is a far cry from how the Black Widow is regarded by the rest of the Avengers or how the Scarlet Witch is regarded by the rest of the Avengers. It's it's a huge first for me. It's 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 evidence of the, the movie having having faith and having comfort in in doubling down on the ensemble and not having to lean on. Okay, we have to have this many scenes in the Black Panther suit. Otherwise, you know, we, every so many minutes we've got to put him in the suit. Otherwise, people are going to lose interest. Right. Some initial reviews I saw come out uh, were, were talking about the early part of the movie being slow, and I didn't get that at all. No, at all, like no. for me, I was fully engaged from the word go. I was going to ask everybody about what T'Challa's arc is in this. It is a challenge to what, you know, what's his progression going to be? Because 
every other story about a prince becoming king is going to be that he overreaches and he makes mistakes and he has to learn a lesson about what being a good king is. And this, I think Chachala's arc here is interesting in that he's already a decent person. He doesn't have to learn how to be a decent person. He has to ask his question of what is it, what do I, what kind of king do I want to be? Not like, how do I be a king? Yeah, he has the tools. He just has to apply them and figure out how to, like what, in what way he will choose to apply them. And when things fall apart, it's not because he made a stupid decision. It's because Killmonger has come to challenge directly the whole concept of what it means to be the king of Wakanda. And he he has to answer that. I just think that's really interesting the way it's structured. Like T'Challa doesn't screw up. It's more like an external force comes in to, to force him to justify his philosophy. And that's, I think that's really interesting too from his, his you know, because at, at the end, I feel like his take on what it means to be the king of Wakanda is really influenced by Killmonger. And that's, I, that's also oh, yeah, absolutely. amazing, right? That's what I actually found really interesting about both Killmonger as an antagonist and T'Challa as a character, because the scene with the sunset just kind of wrecked me, to be honest and i'm trying not to spoil it but no um, i mean you we, we we should talk about what's in this movie hey everybody out there who hasn't seen black panther and doesn't want to know what happens don't listen to podcasts about black panther right. <laughs> but you know this, the sunset is this light motif and then at the end of the movie despite the fact that killmonger took over his kingdom for a brief period of time basically killed him by th- or tried to by throwing him off a waterfall and all this other stuff when he manages to land a lethal blow he takes him up to see the wakandan sunsets that killmonger's dead at all talked about. I found it interesting that he softens his perspective, his isolationist perspective from the beginning. And it's not just because he wants to get with his ex again, but it's because (laughs) he really did think about it. And he couldn't understand why his dad abandoned a young kid outside of Wakanda when the kid was clearly a member of the nation of Wakanda. He couldn't understand why Wakanda had abandoned people who needed them. And he's kind of come around to Killmonger's point of view. And I'm trying to think of another movie in this whole series where the protagonist has had like a good long thing at the end and been like, you know, the antagonist had some really good points. (laughs) I've been a big fan of of the people who've tweeted uh, things along the lines of Killmonger had some valid points, but Nakia was the right one. Yes. Yes. Um, like that, 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 that yes. really delineates the political realities of, of the struggle going on for me. And something that I've, I've really bristled at is people who really did not pay attention in history and social studies classes who really want to make this into a Martin versus Malcolm um, right. and it's kind not, of thing. Cause it's, and it's not, not that at yeah. all. It's not. If you do know your history, obviously, um, you know, we're not we're not comparing apples and oranges when you make that Martin and Malcolm uh, comparison. If you want to do that, then you look at Professor X and Magneto and, and yes. that's and that's where that belongs. And you leave it there. Um, and just because all the char- the cast of characters are black in this one, you you know, you leave that leave that comparison alone. Um, but I will talk about uh, Killmonger and and Nakia. Um, I personally would have would have loved if it was Killmonger who brought the idea to T'Challa about uh bringing uh bringing the the Wakandan experience and and you know taking it out to the rest of the world and have him be the one that plants that seed and let other people water that seed so that at the end when we do get to that point we we really do have uh the intellectual debate about 
uh, first off, you know, how subversive is it that, that you have the protagonists agree with the antagonist at the end and realize that at the end, you know, even in death, he was, the, he was correct. Um, but if other people had, if, if he had planted that seed, if Killmonger planted the seed and other people watered it, I think it would have really lent a lot of credence to the fact that this, this is what, this is what was going on as opposed to Nakia bringing it up first and then Killmonger. Um, and it, and it, you know, it makes, I, I mean, I think it was great either way, but I think it, it would have, it would have struck, uh, it would have struck a more powerful chord if it, if it came from Killmonger first. I wanted to talk about, uh, Killmonger's backstory a little bit because one of the things we discover at the beginning of this film, we get this sort of storybook, uh, tale of Wakanda and we you know as it all comes together we realize that uh, uh, T'Challa's uncle was in Oakland working undercover and he was it turns out working with um, uh, Claw Ulysses Claw uh, right, Andy Serkis right. in uh, t- getting vibranium out of Wakanda which is simply not allowed um, and there's a we, we learn that there's uh, that he's being watched uh, by Zuri and uh and we see that they're going to they're going to kill him and the space you know the little not spaceship but like the flying Wakandan flying jet thing cat take, it's like yeah. it's got like a, it's a panther head that's what I love yeah, about it it's the panther jet or something it mm-hmm. takes yeah. off and, the, and we see kids down in the in the street and we see a kid looking up and it turns out that that is Eric. Killmonger yes. uh, as a boy and he's going to go up and we see in a flashback he's going to go up there and find his father dead and he knows that he is Wakandan and so it's just that story and the way it's told which is not quite in it's, it's in pieces we get that we get the, the different parts of the story it's so affecting it really gives you again it, it it's, makes you understand where he's coming from he's not uh, he's got some some very specific ideas and he pushes T'Challa off a waterfall, but he's also, you get like what he's saying and where he comes from. And I thought it was really great. So here's something I'm incredibly curious about, and I would love to see it either as a series of webisodes or like a spinoff series or a series of graphic novels. But what is it like to train to be a Wakandan who's going to be a spy in another country? Like, how are they so good at blending in? Because this was one of the premises in the film is that they have agents all through the world who are presumably reporting on culture and and weaponry and science and things like that and keeping Wakanda informed and doing what they can to keep Wakanda's profile what it is until they're ready to reveal it. How do these people who live in this isolated nation get trained? How do they not have giveaways? I want a series about the Wakandan intelligence program from like recruiting to training to missions to to, to, to deep cover ops. Like, I think that'd be amazing. Right. When do you get to work in the awesome city with the public transportation? And when do you have to go out with the goats? Right. Because I'd imagine there's like some sort of a rotation there. It's like, okay, you got goat <laughs> duty this week. You're like, all right, like a, like a kibbutz. No, I just want to know, like there's a Wakandan who's, ass- who's assigned to Denmark and they're like, really, Denmark? Really? You know? <laughs> How am I blending in? It's, it's all the albinos. So, and they're like, you like architecture, you'll be fine. <laughs> so let's, let's uh, talking about Wakanda, let's talk about the, the, the Afro, Afrofuturism in this movie, like the design of Wakanda, the, uh, the, the streetcars, the, the, the narrow, uh, you know, the, the city that they built, they got to invent kind of this world where you've got like little electric trolleys coming down a street that's also got like food carts. And it's like the, you can, you can definitely feel like this is a, 
a this is a real culture that's present day and also super futuristic kind of like and in the past and they're all just kind of mixed together yes. which is really cool it, it's it's one of the things that makes this movie not feel like every other movie jason that last part to me is the most important thing that you said about it being uh the past as well right this is a culture that was allowed to exist on its own and become the beautiful flower that it could eventually be and is because it was able to exist and just do its thing without colonization, without anything like that in the way. And so we do see sort of a, uh, a pure and non bastardized uh, look at what a culture can become when again, it's just allowed to thrive. And, that's why, like, whenever we we fly in and they're kind of going down and, like, there's the tower, but then there's a part of it that has, like, thatched roof that, that, that comes out from it. And there are yeah. areas that are, oh, it's, again, I'm going back to the beauty of it, but just, like, it, in seeing that, it was all communicated in that moment. And then as they go down to the streets and you see the street markets and things, but you see people in, like, clothing that you would totally wear or at least clothing, clothing that I would totally wear. So it's not right. always, like, super old school garb or anything like that. But it's this beautiful mixture that is respected and accepted. And I think that's – that like – it, it's it's a paradise in more than one way. Like, it's not just the technology that makes this place a paradise. It's the acceptance of the culture. There's no conflict between past and present, as it were. And there's not this attitude that history is either to be discarded or to be ossified. It's this very fluid appropriation of, of well, I like this and I like this. And the fact that their their blankets turn into vibranium shields, for example, is just... Well, and, and that their weapons, uh, the sonic weapons are spears. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there, there are very few projectiles used by Wakandans. They call guns primitive. Mm-hmm. So all all of that is is uh, is so great. Support for the incomparable comes in part from Squarespace. Are you ready to start your new business? Then make it stand out by using Squarespace. Squarespace provides beautiful templates that are created by their world class designers, and that makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. You can showcase your work, make a blog, publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, and it just takes a few clicks. You can customize the whole thing from look and feel to settings and products and it's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. You can use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. You'll know what's happening on your site. And the best thing of all, there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. With Squarespace, you're not running a web server that you have to keep up to date. You're just using Squarespace. Squarespace handles all the rest of it. You don't have to deal with that part of it. If you do have a question with anything you're doing, they've got award-winning 24-7 customer support to make it easy. Destiny is calling. I feel like the tick when I say that. Destiny's calling, chum. It says you need a new website and you should make it with Squarespace. I think Destiny is saying that too. So go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use this offer code SNELL. That's my last name, S-N-E-L-L, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code SNELL. Thank you, Squarespace. I really spent a lot of time during the epic level of uh, hype and buildup uh, surrounding this film before it before it released. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to distance myself away from people calling it a black film mm-hmm. um, or the black film. 
you know, Marvel superhero film, even though every black actor that was ever in existence is is in this film, minus like LeVar Burton. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not expect to see Isaac de Boncole. Uh, in this and there he is with a plate in his mouth right right exactly so so um you know so like i really tried to stay away from that but having seen the film multiple times now i i love and appreciate how black this film was how black ryan coogler made this film and and in in terms of the way that uh when you talk about wakanda um and and the merging and the marrying of cultures they took cultural cultural aspects from the entire continent and married them into into what Wakanda was as a as a way to kind of pay homage to the continent of of you know of our birth. Uh, I mean, you know, all the, all through the garb, you look at the different tribes uh, and you know different aspects of African culture were represented there. T'Challa, in his challenges, uses a Zulu shield. And I don't know if people really even understood that and understood the significance of being a Zulu. Um, and, and I mean, that was, that's, that's incredible. But, but then, but then, uh, you, you know, and then you, you look at all of the other stuff that was going on when they go back to Oakland and, uh, you know, Oakland, by the way, happens to be the birthplace of the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and those things were intentional and, and the way Sterling K. Brown, was talking about what was going on in Oakland at that time and how they were going to change things um, was was all you know all of that stuff was intentional just just the 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 angst and the anger in Michael B Jordan's voice when he talked about how he had to kill brothers and sisters from his from his own continent all of that stuff was just it was so impactful uh, you know not only for me but I think for for uh, well hopefully for movie audiences all around um, because it was it was really just a love letter to our culture. I wanted to, to, to touch on a lighter side of of this uh, exact thing. Um, I went to see it with my partner, Shane, who is white. And the part where uh, Shuri talks about how they're having... Oh, uh, praise another broken white boy. White boy yes. <laughs> I, I got to have this great moment where I turned to him and just like grinned really big. Like, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't wait to get to say that to you. <laughs> At some point, you're going to hurt yourself and I'm going to be able to fix the broken white boy. And that's going to be wonderful. Do you call him? colonizer now too (laughs) i I haven't taken it that far but uh maybe maybe in a fight um but i like what this is is like (laughs) yeah next time we're arguing i said put up the dishes uh but anyway it wasn't simply a respect for black culture in the obvious empowering moments. Right. It was also a respect for the culture and also the the way that communities interact with each other. And, you know, like the way that I react with my interact with my own brothers and sisters, seeing that reflected in this film. So even in the light moments, it was just as paying respect to black right. culture as it mm-hmm. was in, in, in the fight and in the struggle. It made me realize how little I know about distinct distinct African cultures and histories compared to how much I've been able to internalize just by marinating in American culture where I can recognize the difference. Oh, that's, that's Danish interior design. And because you grow up and that's 
mainstreamed. And since I've seen the movie, I've spent a lot of time Googling to, to, to figure out what entire schools of aesthetics and culture and history do I not know? It was a sense of, of, of going into the movie and loving the movie and also having a sense of, I don't understand a lot of this. And that's my problem and not the filmmaker's problem. Right. And to go back to Moises's point about, well, this, um, this movie expands the Marvel universe because it's no longer just corridors on the helicarrier or the Avengers tower or, or whatever city they decide to raise into the air. Um, I feel like it also expanded it both in terms of moral and social issues. Cause it's down to how do you use power responsibly? And it also expands it. I feel like aesthetically previously, the only really trippy areas we got were outer space because it was it was you know thor's home world or it's the guardians of the galaxy stuff where they're always bopping off to different planets but in this movie like you got to the scene where t'challa is going to be crowned king and you see all the tribes dancing together and all the different colors and it's just this amazing joyful visual spectacle but it blows open the doors like culturally aesthetically um in terms of the issues that marvel can now talk about in terms of the depth and richness of the world and what I want to know is, like, did Marvel know Ryan Coogler was going to do all that? Or did he just, like, drop off a couple cans of the films? Like, here, I, I, I made your movie about the dude in the cat suit and joy. And they're like, oh. <laughs> this significantly raises the bar for all Marvel movies that come after it. Yes. That it's going to be judged on so many different levels that they have effectively skirted because it's just a superhero movie. Well, superhero movies aren't just superhero movies anymore. They are... They are this enormous cultural force that, I mean, it, it really it's it's not just the box office. The box office is an indicator of what it is doing in the culture and what it is doing in terms of energizing people politically, socially, creatively. There there are people who have have not only thought that doors were shut to them, but that the doors didn't even exist in the first place. Right. That this this completely awakens a new sort of consciousness for people who already have their way through the other side of the door and, and, and the people who, who did not think that that was something that they could do. I, I think the, the, what Ryan Coogler did, uh, you know, what he accomplished here is to show clearly that you can't, to Moises's point, say, well, it's just a superhero movie, right? Like superhero, right. first off, just a superhero movie really doesn't count. Like between superhero and like spaceship science fiction kind of action movies, like that's like movies now. They're, they're kind of all yeah. that. And there's so many, they're like two or three Marvel movies a year. Like it's a container in which you can tell stories like, like as a kid who grew up on Star Trek, like that was a container to talk about things that were happening right. in the world yes. and yes. superheroes at their best are metaphor. They were in comics in the sixties and seventies and eighties. They were metaphor then. And Ryan Coogler's like, yes, I'm going to take this and I'm going to use it to talk about the world. And it is hard to look at a movie like this. Not every movie has to be Black Panther after this from Marvel, but it's very hard to say, well, we can't, can't because you absolutely can and you you know you can't shrink away from that because ryan cooler showed you how it's done <laughs> as as much as as uh, marvel properties are known for unintentionally launching um side franchises you've got you've got multiple ways to go in here right. i mean sure you can honestly stand up and support a movie of her own the dormelage can oh. absolutely support a movie all on their own you can you can you can do a feature film that 
solely focuses on Okoye, uh, you know, running running the door of Milaje and uh, and oh, here's a cameo by our friend, the king. And go go do your stuff, king. We'll we'll see you later. The, the ladies are going to clean up. Thanks. Um, there, there, there is so much potential coming out of completely redefining what is okay, what is reasonable and what is totally doable at this point. The Incomparable is brought to you in part by Casper. You know about Casper. They're a sleep brand. I don't know what a sleep brand is. They make mattresses and sheets and other stuff. I guess you use those when you sleep. Okay, story checks out, story checks out. Uh, And they continue to revolutionize their line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. In other words, if you're used to Casper and thinking, well, it's a company that has a mattress, you are missing out. There's a lot going on in Casper these days. Three different mattress models, the original, the Wave, and the Essential. They're all perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry so you sleep well at night. Not to mention the Breathable design helps you sleep cool, regulating your body temperature throughout the night. We used to have to pile on different blankets in the winter. Um, Most of the time we use the same blanket winter and summer now, and I'll grant you we're in California, but we still had to swap out for cooler and warmer blankets, and that has gone away since we had a Casper mattress. We just use one one blanket and it's fine. And it's delivered right to your door. That's, of course, you probably heard about this little box, shrink-wrapped mattress inside. All the air gets sucked out of it. You open it up, whoosh. Out comes the mattress to full size. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. And there's a 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. So if you're afraid of ordering a mattress without laying down on it and having it come to your door, uh, don't be. Because if you don't like it, in the first 100 nights, they will take it away and you pay nothing. That's right. You'll get your money back. So you spend one-third of your life sleeping. Why not do it comfortably with a Casper mattress? Now, $50 you can get toward select mattresses. By visiting casper.com slash Snell, my last name, S-N-E-L-L, don't wear it out, and using offer code Snell at checkout. That's casper.com slash Snell, offer code Snell for $50 off select mattress purchases. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you, Casper. And I'm getting tired, so after the show, I think I'm going to go lay down on my Casper mattress, but not yet. There's a there's an observation I've been batting around, but I'm trying to plummet to see if um, there's actually anything to it. But what I was going, what I'm thinking is again, Thor Ragnarok has Thor reckoning with his father's very bad and imperialist decisions. Thor has to deal with that fallout. Thor has to deal with the question of what is Asgard now, and that's his story. And it it comes down to what are the consequences of colonialism. And then in Black Panther, you've got a movie where they have to ask the question: Wakanda has managed to sit out this this whole tragedy of colonialism by. Um, through a combination of uh, Black Panther magic and vibranium and and being able to defend themselves and successfully fool the world, what do they owe the world or do they owe the world? And that's kind of the flip side of the coin. Both of these movies were helmed by people who are not white men. Ryan Coogler was the absolute best person to make Black Panther, you know, coming off of Fruitvale. It, it actually seems like a really natural progression at this point. Fruitvale and Creed and, and Black Panther are basically the Ryan Coogler trilogy. Right. And... Um, <laughs> Taika Waititi makes these films that are unapologetically New Zealand and do deal in some way with the repercussions of being Maori in a place that was, you know, invaded and exploited by others. And and what I'm trying to figure out is, is there a connection between how these movies have managed to refresh and reframe the universe and the backgrounds of the people who made them? Abs- absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I, got, I, I agree. To say that, that that's not the case, I think, would be completely wrong. Like it, it has to inform that and it has to improve upon because what we're looking at is like, 
we've had vanilla ice cream for so long. And finally, my ice cream has like bits of jasmine tea in it. And it's like, uh, I, I don't know what else, cookies and cream. Like there are all of these flavors <laughs> that get added to it now. And that's because we've got diverse backgrounds bringing perspectives in ways that maybe they don't even realize themselves. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, so a friend of mine, a quick little anecdote, a friend of mine just came back from Dubai. Uh, who's, you know, we went to high school together. He's a black dude and went with uh, about four or five other black men from America. They ran into about uh, a dozen uh, black people from the continent of Africa and from other places, uh, not not uh, in North America. Each and every one of them, when they saw my American friends, said Wakanda and gave the salute. Um, So, so, and these were, you know, these were separate instances. Um, So it wasn't like there was a group of them together and they all did it. This was each and every time that this happened over the course of a week. And um, it, it speaks to how important this film was. Across the diaspora. And, and Lisa, you, you know, you kind of talked about, uh, seeing this film and not, and realizing once you walked out of the film that, oh, wow, I really enjoyed this. But there was, there was so much from this film that I didn't understand from a cultural perspective. There was lots that I didn't understand from a cultural pers- uh, perspective. And, you know, I'm the descendant of slaves. Um, but there was, but there was lots that I did understand. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that, uh, people, seem to kind of get but I think if you're if you're a person of color especially if you're a black American or or apparently a black person anywhere around the world you you get a it resonates with you even more because this is the dream Wakanda is the dream it is the place where we have been able to live completely unmolested this is a place where the 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 bacteria, the virus that is colonization did not affect us. And we were able to and, you know, it was the very first time um, where I've gone to a film and, and you know, a, a a quote unquote black film um, of dramatic nature, um, you know, of, of any tenor um, where I was able to walk out and just feel pride. Um, there have been, there have been plenty of films where one of the emotions that I had when I walked out of the film was pride, but it was also anger and angst and, and, uh, reflection of the, the adversity that the, that the, you know, the, the protagonist had to, uh, overcome as a result of these, you know, these outsiders just messing with them. Um, but this was the first time in my entire life that I can remember walking out of a film and just being proud to be a black person. And that was, it was like, it took me a second and it took me back for a second. And as I wiped the tears away, I realized like, man, this film is very, very special. My dad is black. My mom is white. I'm uh, what people in my family call mixed. Right. Um, <laughs> hey, Micah, yep. our families call us the same thing. We have yep. another thing in common. It's funny, though, because like other people like, so like what kind of mixed? And so anyway, uh, I'm black and white. Um, And so uh, like watching this film and comparing it to or or holding it up to sort of my experience as a a black person 
among white people and right. in many cases a not black enough person around black people in my history, you know, not being white enough, not being black enough. There were periods of time when I had like ultra sympathy for Killmonger as, as an outsider, as someone who wanted to come home and be part of his, you know, he had, he had the wrong idea about what his home country should be used for, but it was also meant to be a homecoming for him. Like he wanted to see the son of his home. And there's so much sympathy uh, that I have for him in that because growing up and I'm, you know, blessed and happy that now I, I, I don't experience this as much as I did when I was younger, but certainly growing up, like just not feeling like I belonged anywhere, but wanting to be a part of, frankly, anybody's culture that would let me in kind of thing. <laughs> um, and so that really like his, his struggle in that really resonated with me. And I think too, what this movie did for me is show me again, the, just, just, the pure beauty of a huge part of my heritage and to, to see it in this, in this lovely light and to, uh, want to know more, you know, to, to want to go out and, and learn more and, uh, find out that obviously I'm a descendant of a Wakandan and I get to go back and like create technology is really what it's going to, what it's going to end up being. But until I find that out, like, uh, I, I think that this is like th- this film can touch uh, so many people's lives past just being an incredible film. And I'm so happy that it's out there. And I'm so happy that I went to see it in theaters because like Jason, I don't get out to a lot of movies, uh, too often. So it, it was just, uh, wonderful all around. I have a, a, a similar, uh, too much and not enough, uh, kind of experience on my dad's side. I am, I'm, I am more than Neapolitan mixed. Like there's, there, there are more, <laughs> there are more variables in play than people are used to dealing with and they don't know what to deal, do with them. The craziest thing to me was, you know, the first word spoken in the movie, Baba is, is, you know, like a, like daddy. Right. It's the same thing in Cantonese. Um, and, and so I didn't expect it to, to hit me on that level. I expected, I expected there to be it all to exclusively come from the Afro-Cuban, like Santeria practicing side of things from, from my grandmother's end of stuff. Seeing, seeing this movie and seeing this whole experience, it's, it's, it's weird, you know, looking at me and, and, um, and, and making assumptions about me, you don't assume that there's any African diaspora background in me at all, um, unless you look close and, it, it's been interesting kind of having having, you know, a couple toes of one foot in what a lot of my friends are finally getting to experience and and feeling like the the doors that are being opened make the, the experience of being somebody who's mixed in the United States like me, like Micah, in that we both have that descriptor that people use for us, but it doesn't mean the same thing. But there are bits of commonality that that everybody who self-describes who, you know, if if you want to get down to race math, you know, that's what we are. There is there is a broader consciousness of the fact that to to use the common metaphor, things are not black and white. Things are not so easily delineated as just this one thing, just this other thing. And the the beautiful thing about the conflict between Killmonger and T'Challa in this movie is that they are two different guys, but metaphorically they are they are two aspects of the same experience for a lot of people. Right. Uh, where it is it is an internal struggle as much as it is as it is shown as a protagonist antagonist struggle. Does that mean that nobody crosses borders, nobody 
nobody immigrates, nobody emigrates. Um, you know, it, then, 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 it, then it comes to the isolationist perspective of, well, wouldn't it have been better if, if they, if, if everybody had just stayed in Wakanda? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know if that's a good way to think of it. You know, right. it, 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 the, there are no simple answers to, oh, well, if only this thing had happened, like the, the way that I like to think of it is, is uh, time machine problems. If only we had a time machine, we'd be able to fix all <laughs> right. of this. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, and that's T'Challa's burden in deciding what kind of king he wants to be is, you know, he can't, he can't change the past. He can't change the decisions his father made that have led him to, to this point in a lot of ways. He, he all he can do is affect the future and make the decisions that he can make because the, the, the past is, is, you know, it's set and it's not something he would choose, but he's stuck with it. Like all of us are. Well, you could argue that, that since this movie is basically about reckoning with decisions of the past and obligations to both your, your country and your world in the future, um, I like how this movie stresses repeatedly that you can't ever undo the decisions of the past, but you can own responsibility for them and accept both the privilege and the responsibility that comes with that privilege and move forward. Yeah, trying to ignore it was not working. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, but this is the whole point of T'Challa is is he he's like, I have this incredible privilege. And I think in a way, having to come face to face with his cousin and realize that there but for like an accident of birth or whatever, it could have been his dad getting radicalized in Oakland and it could have been him being left behind. And right. I think the fact that he identifies a little bit with the the, the fact that he, he's king of Wakanda by chance. It's evident that he's been raised to think of himself as I'm the king. This is my responsibility. This is what I was born to do. But then he's forced to question, holy crap, this was completely random that I was born to be a king because this kid was in line for the throne too. And what the, why would you leave a child in Oakland if they're Wakandan dad? I don't get it. But this is, it's the, it blows open the doors to privilege because it brings it home in a very personal way. Whereas at the beginning of the film, it's mostly abstract and his ex-girlfriend's all no no you don't understand the earth is a hot flaming mess he's like "Ah, wakanda (laughs) and it's not until his cousin comes and he's like wait what what we 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 strand wakandans and don't bring them back here what what why (laughs) and so it does have to come home to him a little personally and i feel like that whole movie is is kind of um a model for the kinds of conversations and questions we could be asking in our wider society right now, too, about saying, fine, we weren't the ones who personally built this country on the back of slave labor and fomented class divisions from the get-go and benefited from imperialism, but we are the people at the end of this um, continuum. What do we owe the people whose lives have been affected by that decision, and, and what are we going to do going forward? It's it's a great model. <laughs> and it's one we didn't get in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to mention um, Shuri just because she's great. And since we didn't get to spend a lot of time on her, spoiler alert in the in the comics, at one point she gets to be Black Panther. That is correct. Oh God, that'd be so great. And she's just she's so smart and funny and and fun and like gets and loyal and strong and brave. Yeah, responsible. And yet she and she has these gadgets. And one of the things I really love about the production design of this movie, there are some Oscar nominations that had better happen for this movie, (laughs) and they involve Mm -hmm. especially the production design is is just. I can't envision like it's amazing, but the, the, the tech, the tech, cause it is a high tech society. The tech is not like other tech that we see because it's, it's designed to look different. It is from a different, it's like 
a different source. Did computers get invented in Wakanda and then somebody snuck out a chip sometime to, right. and, and, and then the rest of the world got them? I don't know. It's unclear whether this is parallel or whether they take a little bit and give a little bit or what. But like the Wakandan tech, it's so, and, and then Shuri with her, it's you know, because she's so a she's a super genius. Aesthetic. Yeah, it's it's pretty and interesting and different shapes and colors. And I really like like every time that we're in her little lab, like. It, which is a great set that kind of big circular yeah. set like with the windows just it's all amazing but i like i like her character she's so much fun and i like all the tech that she's throwing out there because it's not yet another you know computer this or shiny silver gadget this it, it all has its own feel if we don't get the scene between shuri and tony stark where oh. Shuri gets to, uh, <laughs> gets to, uh, here's, oh, here's your, uh, here's your, your urban, your urban colloquialism for the day when Shuri gets to son, uh, Tony Stark by, by telling, by telling him, oh, that's, you know, that's child's, child's play, uh, in Infinity War. I will be very, very disappointed. I'm hoping that as a result of the end of, uh, Black Panther, um, this is how Tony discovers how great the Wakandans truly are. And he, and he tries to throw his, his, uh, his metaphorical thing down with, uh, with, with the, the top of the top of the, the brain heap, which is, is Shuri. Um, so that's going to be great. I'm hoping that happens. It better happen. <laughs> like someone has to carry him home in a bucket afterward because he's just <laughs> crying so hard. Just, yeah. yeah. He, he's broken. I, like from the beginning, obviously, I was so ready for Wakanda to exist in our universe. But as soon as uh, Shuri came out and we got to see the the technology, then that's whenever I was like, that that was sort of my, I remember people were like weeping when they left the Avatar movie because they wanted that world to exist. Right. Um, like there was, there were news stories about that or whatever. Th- that was my Avatar moment where I was like, why can't I be there in that right. lab right yes. now? Yes. Just so cool. And so much fun. Like the, what are those moment? It was so right. unexpected and it was so perfect. <laughs> and I was sad because here I am in Southern Missouri, which is in the Midwest. And most of the time, like, like, unless you go on on Fridays or Saturdays to see the film um, at certain times, then it is an, an older crowd. And so it was a bit of an older crowd watching Black Panther at the time. And they had absolutely no idea what the, like I, I was the loudest person in there, like let out this loud laugh and then sort of had to look around like, oh, my gosh, I just <laughs> but it was such a good moment. And again, like unexpected, because like that we didn't talk about this earlier, but just the when we were talking about how Black Panther doesn't show up a whole heck of a lot in the film and how we have all these characters just existing, I think one of the problems with ensemble movies is that a lot of times the films can focus too much like they try to do an individual movie for each character and so like we see what this one's doing and then we you know the camera goes to the next one we sort of fall these this group of people work together so well and in so many ways that like it's a whole flowing piece and we like it doesn't miss a moment to have these interactions and they all work together so well even whenever people are are you know teasing each other and and getting on each other's nerves it still is like 
I have these skills and I trust you to do what you need to do and we can work together to make whatever it is we need to make happen. And like you could put any of them with anybody else in this group and they're fine and that's awesome. We haven't talked about Mbaku yet. I feel like we didn't. Oh, Lisa, you're reading my mind. I was going to say, I want to talk about Mbaku, who is... Everybody's favorite vegetarian. Yes. I'll feed you to my children. I mean, there's there's an aspect to the plot, which is like, well, and then there's this other tribe, and they're up in the mountains, and they're they're not, you know, they they, they come and go. It's like, yeah, I'm sure they won't be important later. I kind of don't understand how they're still Wakandan and why they're not separate. Like They share the origins, but they're a little more apart because they're up in the up in the mountains i don't know this is this is the case too where it's a really unfortunate marvel character that they have they have refurbed and renovated and we we can we can say the name man ape we can say that that in the comics he he started as man ape Mm. the great gorilla had had not not so great origins they have a nod to it and and it's it's handled in a completely different way and i really like i really like that character because he he does at at that at the key moment where they need to bring T'Challa, you know, they need to wake him up and bring him back and, and all of that, and he, there's never any question. Like he he does the right thing. There were portions of this film um, that really really resonated with me. That that entire scene up in Jabari with the Jabari tribe uh, within in Mbaku's uh, throne room really resonated with me, um, especially because of everything that surrounded uh, finding out that they were all vegetarians. Um, <laughs> the, the, you know, the fact that you've got uh, Martin Freeman, who who had a, who had uh, of the outsiders had a good role, um, but the best role went to Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis's performance sure. was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but, you know, Martin Freeman comes in as uh T'Challa's sister and T'Challa's mother and T'Challa's love are imploring M'Baku to do this thing, to become the new Black Panther, um, because Wakanda needs saving. Martin Freeman decides that he is going to be the one that is going to explain why this is so important. <laughs> and, 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 right. And, and, you know, and this is, this is a trope that mm-hmm. happens in films everywhere. See, what Cicero is trying to say is, <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Tell me more CIA, man. Yes, right, yes. right, right. Um, you know, uh, whether it be the Dances with Wolves or or The Last Samurai or, you know, whatever it is, the white guy comes in and he is the one that, that changes everything. Neo and the Matrix, even. So you had that moment and, you know, as soon as the moment started, I, like, I, I, I felt my eyebrows start to raise, but, you know, right Right away, M'Baku comes in with the bark and you're like, all right, good. He's shutting him up. And then M'Baku says, if you know, if you utter another word, I'll feed you. I'll feed you to my children. And I'm like, oh, damn, you know, here he is. He's a savage. And then before I can even finish the thought, he he, you know, oh, we're vegetarians. And he laughs. He laughs it off. (laughs) Um, And so it was just like. Oh man, Ryan, like you're my dog, man. You are my dog. Like you got it. Like you got everything right there. And that, I mean, that, that, like that, that, those three minutes, um, with everything with, you know, uh, T'Challa coming back and, and M'Baku saying, are you done? 
Are you finished? Like all of that stuff, just that whole scene encapsulated the movie for me. I I thought it was like, this is what you need to know about blackness. And this is what you need to know about Black Panther. And, uh, man, it was, it was everything. It was everything. I love, I loved uh, most of the performances in this movie. About 99% of them, I thought they were fantastic. I wanted to say, I'm, I'm, I, I, and again, I think his performance is fine, but I'm kind of getting a little tired of Forrest Whitaker just being cast as the wise wise man who is then immediately horribly <laughs> murdered or dies in the planetary explosion. The Black the Panther. Black Panther. The, the Black, Black Panther. I love Panther. Forrest Whitaker and they keep they keep putting him in movies. I'm like, oh, oh, it's Forrest Whitaker. Oh, he's dead. All right. Yes. You know, it's just like, could he stick so, maybe, maybe Forrest Whitaker says, I'll be in your movie you're, with your little special effects, but not for very long. Maybe that's it. Right. But I just yeah, always disappoint because he's so die. great. And, he, and, and that's why they use him, right? Just everybody perks up and it's like, oh, let everybody listen. Forrest Whitaker's here. He's going to explain some things about the world or the plot or something. And then he, they're going to kill him. And it makes me sad right. every time. I guess it works on me. I was telling I was telling a friend that I I went into this like I knew various actors that had been signed for it, but I didn't know what roles they were playing. I, I was trying to stay as blind on this as I possibly could, and I didn't know that Forrest Whitaker was playing Zuri in the comic. Zuri is is more a he he has hair. B he's about a foot taller, and he's he's like the the bruiser bodyguard loyal retainer to the throne, and not right. as much you know kind of uh, I you know the 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 herbologist yeah mm-hmm. the mystical herbologist <laughs> keeper of traditions and everything. And so I was like, oh, this is a cool new take on Zuri. Yes. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see more of zuri in future oh no, oh, no. and just yeah. as that duel starts i'm like zuri's gonna he's die not, yeah zuri, zuri, zuri's not gonna make it to the other side of this fight one of my favorite tweets in the past week is apparently some uh somebody tweeted that uh his son was drinking some grape juice or something and the son and, and his daughter came in and said you know you've, you've now lost the strength of the black <laughs> you know shield had to come up with a whole like they had to have a staff of scientists and some genius you know from an eastern bloc country come up with a super soldier serum the wakandans just you know got a shaka zulu serum all of their own just grew right. it in the ground you know like <laughs> like reasonable people it's got some you know it's got some vibranium roots or something but right. yeah sure yeah. It's, it's it's all it's all there. The fights in this movie, I wanted to at least mention. I know that there are some people who have complained about some of the special effects, and especially people we know who think that the battle rhinos weren't as good. Mm. I love. I don't care. I, I was so in love with the fact that there are battle rhinos that I really didn't yes. care <laughs> about the special effects. I thought the I thought those uh, those fight scenes were fun because they were not the same fight scenes I've seen in other movies because of the, Mm -hmm. what the weapons are and who's fighting and what they're trying to do. And yes, there are like armored rhinos running around. I thought that was amazing. When when it came to the, the fights themselves, the fight choreography, I thought was outstandingly on point where it really stuck out in a couple of places where uh, like at one point in the big, the big fight, once Nakia and Shuri have put on all their battle gear, um, Nakia does this really great. um, I mean, the, the, the the fight people term for it is this uh, is this one armed strip of a bladed weapon that some dude swings at her. She just wraps her arm around it, rests it straight away from him, and goes straight into it. And just, like the the choreography work on it is so good. And and having seen it multiple times, there are different things that I see each time because your eyes can only be in one place at a time. So, so some people who said, "Oh, it was just all over the place," I'm like, "This was not shaky cam stuff. It's just there's something going on everywhere, and it gives you something different." 
different to look at every time you see the movie. And the geography is clear. And, and that's a criticism exactly. that I know that a lot of people, it's hard for people to kind of like express what's going on. But like the most satisfying big fight scenes in movies like this are when the director can make you know, based on how it's shot and how it's edited, what's happening and where it's happening. And when you get a movie that I like a lot more than I did the first time I saw it, like Star Trek Beyond, one of the problems I have with it is that the climactic fight scenes, um, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Um, Black Panther, Ryan Coogler's got the geography down. You never are like, what am I watching here? Like, you never, it's never just like unclear action. It's very clear what's going on when they have, when they have the two of them fighting on the train tracks while they're fighting up in the, on the surface and, uh, and the, the plane is going around with, uh, with the CIA agent, <laughs> with Martin Freeman, uh, remote piloting it and not quite knowing what he's doing. Like, I know Even, what's happening at all those, those points. so cool. In all those places. Stuff. Even something as complex as the fact that Martin Freeman is in a building in the in Wakanda in the in the in the the lab flying the plane and there is a plane shooting at him in the lab so he has he's under jeopardy but it's like remote VR because he's not the plane isn't in jeopardy but he's personally in jeopardy like right. it's clear it's crystal clear it, it it's not yeah. like you it, get it yeah it, there's a little complication there but but it the movie makes it perfectly clear and that's that's hard to do <laughs> a lot of movies don't do it <laughs> some of the effect stuff did leave me cold. And on the rhinos, it's not that I disliked their presence. There were some people who were like, oh, great. We're going to stick armor on rhinos. Uh huh. Okay, fine. They just hated the concept. <laughs> Honestly, what's wrong with that? I don't get For, it. I, well, I don't know. Exactly. I wanted to mention before we go, um, uh, because we're going to wrap up soon, but I wanted to mention my, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and then I'll take it around to all of you for like any other thoughts that you've got or favorite things that we haven't mentioned. Um, I like we mentioned the afterlife or whatever it is, that kind of astral plane scene right where 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 um t'challa goes and talks to his dad the ancestral twice. plane the ancestral it's plane. An unusual, uh, succession in terms of what usually it's just a one time but there's complications and it's in this it's in the countryside and the sky is super pretty and strange and they he and there's the big tree and it's got the panthers in it and he talks to his dad and then in the second scene that that, that he has he he confronts his dad about the decisions that he made and uh those are those are cool interesting weird scenes and also a little bit of a pause on the movie for a different a different flavor but the scene in the middle is where killmonger does the same thing he he has go they get bury him and all that and he's in oakland in the apartment where his yes. father lived and died and the and outside oh the window instead God. of seeing oakland you see that same sky and countryside and that that shot is my single favorite shot in the whole movie because it it means something it 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 speaks to killmonger being of wakanda and also being kind of exiled from wakanda it's just like his dad was exiled from the afterlife that the rest of the ancestors share right so that that anyway i wanted to mention that because i i think it's just in 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 just to talk about pure visual communication um of the way that that shot is 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 set up it's beautiful uh, Lisa, anything that you would like to mention that we haven't gotten to yet? That's Sterling K. Brown scene where he says, uh, where um, Eric meets his dad in, in the Wakandan afterlife, and they're in the apartment where the apartment is still in Wakanda, as it were, but they can't get, or the Wakandan afterlife, and they can't get out to the broader place. And then his father says, no tears for me. And uh, Eric says, people die. And 
I thought, wow, this is such a great way to show how Eric slash Killmonger's entire engine for for anger has moved completely beyond what he thinks he's angry about and has 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 it's how it's how it's changing beyond his being his father's son and just turned him into somebody who's so angry he's lost touch with his heart and lost touch with his roots in a way and i just really love that scene between the two of them it was such a fantastic piece of acting and it broke my heart to think that his dad was never going to get to stand in the tree and and meet the other black panthers and um it also made me intensely curious about Wakandan theology. So <laughs> I really loved that scene. I mean, yeah. the, praise Bantu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for, um, you know, the um, Hanuman. That's who the, yes. uh, that's who the tribe up in the, in the caves. Jabari. Yeah. The Jabari, the Jabari plays Hanuman. Yeah, Hanuman. yeah. The Jabari talking about a, a Hindu monkey God, like just that one offhanded reference made me go, Oh man, just, just in that one thing and literally never touching it again. Like that, that touches on cross cultural uh, diaspora stuff that that people just try to ignore and just acknowledges it as fact. In in any event, I I'm so sorry I've forgotten the name of T'Chaka's brother because it matters and it counts. But he seems to me to be one of the most tragic. He's the most tragic film figure in the whole film, and um, they revisit his heartbreak even in the afterlife, and that stuck with me too. It's it it stuck with me in a pretty deep and resonant way. I feel for him so much that I like I, I blame I blame U.S. imperialism for destroying him. Uh, and, and like I, 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 I completely agree. Like I, I see him as a completely tragic figure swallowed up by by modern imperialism that he just he 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 instinctively could not he could not help but want to push back against. But you can kind of see where Eric gets the the temperament that he got. It's uh-huh. just that Eric got Eric got even more radicalized and pushed to even more desperate measures because he was abandoned twice first by Wakanda, by Wakanda first because Wakanda killed his dad and then because Wakanda neglected to bring him home. Conceivably, he was abandoned three times because we never see his mother. Yeah, we, we never don't. even hear yeah. about his mother. That's a good point. And that's a really sharp contrast to T'Challa, who has been guided and protected and educated by women, even as an adult. So that's another that's in a way that's that's a really good point, because Killmonger kind of represents a model of very toxic masculinity where he doesn't have any give and take or any women in his life, whereas T'Challa benefits from having them all over the place. Uh Killmonger kills his girlfriend for crying out loud. There was so much symbolic imagery, uh, used throughout this film, uh, and, and, and Eric Killmonger was a vehicle for most of it. So if you look at Killmonger, he was the embodiment of the black American experience. So here is a person whose roots are African and he can't get home, but he longs to be there because he hears about how great it is. His father is killed by his brother much like everyone else around him in 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 you know inner city black america he is being he is actively and openly being oppressed and in order for him to overcome any of that and again his his brothers his 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 literal his literal uncle left uh, you know betrayed his brother in his eyes and left and went back to africa much like our brothers and sisters were uh betrayed on on the motherland on the mother continent and sold into slavery and then his mother is american is america 
and is nowhere to be found when he needs comfort, much like black Americans look to our country of of birth for for uh, for care and for empathy and for sympathy and don't receive it. And so when he figures out exactly what's going on and that he has the ability to get back to this country where of his birth and they have the ability to help all of the other people that are actively being oppressed all around the world, of course, he's going to go back there and say, we've got to take these tools back and we've got to save them. And we've got to show the rest of the world. uh, We will take the oppressors and we will make them the oppressed for a change. So, so they can see how it feels, but we'll never be what they were. Um, and so I like all of that, all of that imagery and all of that symbolism, like was, you know, just fully inside Eric Killmonger. And I thought, I think that's what makes him one of the greatest villains in, in at least the last generation of cinema. Moises, any, uh, anything you want to cover that we haven't touched on yet? I mean, regarding, um, favorite scenes, it's difficult to, to pin down one or another because one of the strengths of the movie for me is incredible rewatchability because there's not a single part of the movie that having seen the movie five times now. Nice. I feel like there is not a single bit in the movie that makes me go, okay, this is where I'm going to go up and go to like, get up and go to the bathroom, you know, check my watch. There, there is, there is uh to, to use a cooking analogy, cause that's one of my favorites. You know, there is, there is a perfect meat to fat ratio where the flavor is there it is just beautiful all around. It is a magnificent dish of a movie. Um, but if, if I, if I were to, to point to particular moments that, that gave me an especial amount of joy, really just any time Mbaku was on screen. <laughs> I mean, Winston Duke, Winston Duke yes. is so charismatic. Yes. He's so incredibly charismatic yes. that I was sitting there going, Marvel Publishing had better be coming up with an Mbaku solo book, like right now. Yeah period end of story because it would sell it would sell it would definitely sell i want the movie oh my god (laughs) yeah and then give him a movie give him a movie you know i give him a team to lead give him stuff to do because he's great he's fantastic um there there is there 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 has been an equal amount of joy from those scenes seeing him at different award shows and reacting to to the way that people are are going crazy for him on social media um that gave me a particular amount of joy. It's difficult to pin one favorite part of the movie because it all hangs together so well. And I feel like the structure of the movie was set up very intentionally because that was part of the overall message of the movie that it, it takes everyone. It does not just take um, telling one group of people to go and do something. It, it takes everybody coming together and working toward a greater good than somebody pronouncing, we're going to do things for the greater good and you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And we're going to, you know, stand up, stand up here in our ivory tower and, and bark orders. Everybody has to come together and everybody has something to contribute. There, there is no, you know, weirdly enough, in in this monarchist society, what T'Challa starts to realize is that uh, in, in keeping with what his father told him, that he's a good man and it's difficult for a good man to be a, to be a king. Um, he he we get to see him in this movie realizing something that they move toward in the comics where Wakanda becomes a constitutional monarchy um, where where they they look at at finding ways to 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 preserve tradition while at the same time making their form of government 
the kind of government that that bucks the imperialist trend, which is the direction that Killmonger wants to take into the movie and that various other people, they they want to stay so strictly within the old ways and being completely inflexible to the future, changing them um, that that if anything, that that overarching meta narrative is my favorite part of the movie is I don't know that there is such a thing as a good monarchy. Um, I don't know that that is a good humanist form of government. You know, people like to like to think of nobility as as having the connotation of goodness because somebody is a noble within a society. They must be a good person. Um, and that's something that over the many centuries we've seen to be proven demonstrably false. And I, I loved seeing that rejected so early on in the cinematic journey of the Black Panther story, which thanks to brilliant writers like Christopher Priest, Reginald Hudlin, um, now uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates and Evan Narciss, uh, we, we, are, we are getting some of the most fascinating, uh, instructive, progressive uh, thinking put into our popular media, and it's a good thing. Okay, so I'm going to touch on two two quick things. One is uh, I am a huge fan of the style of the Kingsman films, uh, yes. the 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 comedy, but also the big thing for me is the choreographed uh, fighting. And yeah. I like I I'm probably among the most nonviolent people that, that like uh, th- there's not a lot that gets me i don't know up into that sort of mood but when it comes to watching a film and seeing people kick butt i i like i just get so hyped not not like it's not as if there's some sort of adrenaline rise in me because it's this really cool thing playing out it's like watching how they do it and thinking about the actors preparing for it and how much goes into the uh the 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 camera work and also the cgi that gets plugged in there as well that's also cool and the scene in the the uh, illegal casino that mm. uh the you know the gambler's den that whole scene from start to finish was awesome for me i like yeah. i knew the moment they walked in there i was like i cannot wait because we're about to get a kingsman style kick yeah butt. i was gonna say that was their james bond genre scene and it was great i, I like where they throw the wigs throwing the wigs oh, that's the best <laughs> yes um the other thing that i wanted to touch on so shuri reminds me a lot of one of my sisters and though like her wit uh and the way that she barbs different people but specifically I find Martin Freeman to be so doggone adorable and like, he's just adorable to me. That's, that is the exact word. Like, I don't think he's like, he's adorable. He's like, I just want to give him a hug and like pat him on the head a little bit, which I know is not something you should do to another human, but I kind of do. He's just adorable. And so seeing every time Shuri and him were, were sort of going back and forth, I loved the, like those just put big smiles on my face because it just reminded me of my sister. Like she's so quick to just, you know, clap back at anybody whenever that needs to happen. And so whatever she says, like, no, we're in Kansas. I just, it's, she's great. Uh, and I, I loved that. And also seeing the adorable Martin Freeman sort of wrinkling <laughs> under her, <laughs> under her big foot. And Cicero, any last, uh, any last thoughts, any last things that we didn't mention that you want to, you want to highlight? Uh, yeah, so uh, there was one other thing that I want to want to highlight uh, is um you know we, and we've talked about the cultural significance I've talked about this cultural significance um and I I will if anybody wants to listen to me at any point I'll be right outside my door talking about the cultural significance once we're done um is is that um culturally if you if you look at the theological uh I guess 
unity of of the entire continent of most of the continent pre pre uh pre colonization of Africa there was a symbiosis between uh nature and and man and uh a lot of that was celebrated within Black Panther when they talked about uh their uh theological you know theological beliefs and you know as they as they kind of mentioned them but um where you did see that is within the characters within within uh the the symbiosis that they had for um marrying all of you know today yesterday and tomorrow um with with you know with their their architecture with their clothing, with, you know, everything that they did. Um, another way to say that is harmony. There was, this film was harmonious. Um, and, and, and just the, the way that, uh, T'Challa interacted with everyone around him and he sought their counsel and he listened to them as, as everyone has said, uh, throughout, throughout our time here. Um, there was harmony. There was harmony in, in so much. There was harmony in the way the technology worked and, and the way that, that, uh, you know, when you push the bead, the bead would light up a different color and the colors were harmonious harmonious the the vividness of them all was harmonious um harmony is is you know another uh uh i guess you know an, another word that's analogous with harmony is, is 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 sound um you know if you think about it the sound was the big weapon that stopped vibranium um you know and so like the just harmony i think is is if someone asked you what Black Panther was, I think the word to say would be harmonious. Mm. Oh, I yes. couldn't agree more. That is perfect. <laughs> that yes. is perfect. Let's just end the podcast yeah, there. I agree. Perfect. So I would <laughs> like to thank my guests for their excellent contributions to this conversation about Black Panther. And if you haven't seen it yet, why did you listen to this podcast? But you should go see it immediately. <laughs> Moises Chuyan, thank you. Thank you, Jason. I don't, I don't have a line. I don't have, uh, we've said it all. It's fine. We have said it all. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you. In times of crisis, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. <laughs> mm, thinking. Gotta get that in. Mm-hmm. It's very presidential of Lisa. Micah Sargent, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. May harmony find you all. Indeed. And Cicero Holmes, thanks so much for being on. I really appreciate it. You had some amazing insights. It was great. You'll have to come back sometime soon. It, it, it seriously was my pleasure um uh, thank you so much for having me and i'll just ask are you finished (laughs) (laughs) and uh i'm jason snell your host we'll see you next time and uh black panther will return 